Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. And uh, uh, <laughs> that threw me off. Uh, you, you can uh, follow along to Creative Pep Talk stuff on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. short little pre-intro intro. intro. Uh, This episode is an interview with Noah Camp, uh, a friend of mine and a designer who is on the roster of my new artist management agency called CoLoop. Noah makes 3D calligraphy and uh, 3D illustration that is absolutely gorgeous. But this episode is about that and so much more. It's about finding yourself and becoming a pioneer and representing people like you, even when it's hard. On this podcast, almost on a weekly basis, we talk about how things don't get interesting until you break from the pack, until you disobey your heroes and and go your own way. This episode is going to help you find the strength and the ideas that will help you find where you can do that for yourself. I'm so grateful to Noah. But before we get to the interview, uh, I'm going to go to a chat I had with my co-founder of CoLoop, Ryan Appleton, and we're going to talk a little bit about how Noah embodies one of our core values. And I think in there's a lot of passion and I think Ryan and I were getting fired up uh, talking about some of these ideas and I think there's going to be some great takeaways even just from the little intro. All right, here's Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing, man? Andy, I'm doing fine. Yeah, thanks for doing this. How about this. yourself? Uh, another co-loop intro. I'm very, I've been pumped to share this one since we recorded it. This is... This is the good stuff. This is the 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 creative journey, uh, in in its most legit form. Uh, if you know what I mean, do you? Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean any particular I, thing. I don't know. I think I uh, I'm picking up the innuendo. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into who this interview is with. I think the the creative journey is really important to this conversation. I think it um, it really kind of goes through beginning, middle, and end, what's important about the process. And and I guess inevitably that there is no end. It is a, it is a journey and there's always the next unknown. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to drop the, launch the rocket? Who is it? Who we got today? Today's interview is with, drum roll, <laughs> Noah Camp. Noah Camp. Uh, Noah Camp is a 3D artist and calligrapher, letterer extraordinaire. If you don't know his work, go find his work on Instagram at noahcampdesign.com. Uh, not .com. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, but uh, Noah's work is incredible. It is uh, next level 3D stuff. Freaking love the stuff that he's putting out. Super thrilled to have him on our roster. And I think, you know, every one of these co-loop episodes, we wanted to tease out another foundational core value of our artist management agency, CoLoop, and how each artist embodies these things in their own way. And the one that we wanted to highlight today was this idea of artist first. So with CoLoop, when you think of the agency, we don't want you to think of 
uh, our word mark necessarily, or, you know, our fancy website or whatever it is. We want you to think of the artists. We want them to be the face of this uh, entity. Is that right? Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it really goes back also to that idea of like Coop's intention. Um, you know, my intention as an agent, it always is always to be the extension of the artist's studio, right? It's putting the artist first, their work first, their career and their business first. And so as an agency, when when we were distilling those core values, um, that was obviously one of those kind of foundational bricks that we were building this entire thing on, making sure the artist is always first and foremost the important uh, you know, pillar, that billboard for what we're doing. I, that's, yeah, exactly that. So every other uh, experience that I, I had had with agencies in the past, I had always felt like I was coming into their umbrella. And we wanted to just flip that around because we wanted to be an extension of what they're doing. We wanted to come under their umbrella and be part of their team helping because they're, they're all capable. They're all these creative heroes on their own journeys doing these amazing things. We don't need to pull them under our fold. We want to be part of their fold, helping them go on their journey and, and meet their goals and, and, and slay their dragons. And so uh, that, th- that gets to this idea of giving what you didn't get with this agency. This is the agency we wanted to build that I wish I had got signed on to 10 years ago. And I probably spent a decade complaining about why doesn't the agency do this? Why doesn't, why don't agencies do that for artists? And I'm reminded of the James Murphy quote, which I think is a summary of a Michelangelo quote, which is, you know, instead of complaining, create, create to be your complaint, to be your critique. Uh, the thing you make is in by its nature a critique of what already exists. And this whole entity, Coloop, to me, is trying to give what we what we didn't get, what artists aren't getting right now. And it's my way of uh, instead of complaining, create the thing I wish I had. And I think there's just this thing of, um, you know, we get bitter in the complaints. Like I, I don't. There's a part of you that's like, why can't my, you know, why can't this thing come save me? Why do I have to pioneer it? But the hero is born when you take that mantle upon yourself. And in this episode, we hear Noah go through this for his whole career. He wished that there was more representation with people who are trans. There are more representation for people in the creative community who are sober uh, and have dealt with, um, you know, addictions. And, you know, instead of sitting around and waiting for that representation to happen, he decided to embody it himself. And yeah, being a pioneer it sucks. It's hard, but it can also be this beautiful thing. And I think you see that come through in this interview. 100, 1000%. I think that's what's so impactful about Noah's story, the journey he, he went on. But everything you're describing, right, is the journey you and I went on for the better part of a decade to kind of finally arrive at um, what we need to do, putting kind of putting our money where our mouth is, not let those complaints sour us, but instead do something about it, right? And and kind of form Coloop as a result. But just going back to Noah's story, I think, you know, it comes through in the course of this interview, but he really talks about how this, this process is absolutely necessary if you want to create something new. And I think he goes through this process. He talks about, you know, his time um, before he was, you know, a commercial artist, um, venturing into calligraphy before finding, you know, illustration, becoming a 3D illustrator, you know, using 3D as his primary medium, but also that that uh, kind of bravery to go into those uncharted territories, um, the uncomfortableness that it takes to be a pioneer is something kind of foundational to himself coming out as a transgender person coming out um, as sober and and channeling that all into his work helped him define himself yeah yep yeah and it's uh it was a an emotional conversation and it's a powerful conversation it's such a i'm i'm so glad we get uh, the honor of getting to share it with everybody and, and getting to share Noah's incredible work first and foremost uh, on our platform and in our agency. So um, I'm just super thrilled. So let's get to it, shall we? Any other final notes? Nothing at all. Let's get to it. I'm really excited to, uh, for the world to hear Noah's, um, Noah's insight, Noah's story. Me too. Let's do it.
you were saying that you you were you crazy about music yeah you still are yeah um yeah i grew up singing and uh that's where i got like a lot of you know attention Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was you know i got the solos and everything so you know i like that attention yeah i mean who doesn't i like trophies some people don't attention (laughs) i I love attention more than you should I think I liked it as a kid. I do not like it now. But one thing I discovered was that, you know, I had a lot of trophies and a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, accolades and a lot of praise for singing and and trophies for sports. Yeah. And I'm just like diving right in. Go. I no, think please <laughs> as do. an adult, you don't get trophies anymore. Yeah. So I think I had like trophy withdrawal, like a word withdrawal. <laughs> but I, thought, I was like, wait, where are the I trophies? I feel you. Man, that's legit. I mean, I didn't get any trophies when I was a kid, but I will. I think my whole life has been trophy withdrawal. Actually, my, my, my main uh, trophy that I had growing up all the way until middle school was I I won a baby contest first place. A baby contest. It's the only first place I ever had. And uh, that was it. I did get most improved in every sport that I ever played, mainly because nice. I sucked and got a little bit better. Um but yeah, so let's go let's get back to this. So you, you so grew up doing sports and yeah, baby cut. My mom put me in a baby contest at like a fair or something. I'm told that I this I was told it's legend in the Miller household that I was wearing a sailor outfit for some reason. I went down the runway. I guess there was a runway, <laughs> and I took off my sailor hat at the end, almost as to say Hello. Or what ahoy. So, yeah, ahoy. That was exactly the word I was thinking of. And yeah. And that got it. I bagged it. You know, I can just tell you deserved it. I did deserve 100%. it. And it was my, everything's been worse off since. <laughs> but um, so you, sports and music, what sports? Yeah. Um, basketball. Uh, wait, what did I, I ended up on field hockey in high school. Um, I did track. I did basketball. I did soccer. and did all the sports. I have four brothers. So yeah. Um, but I like to play sports more than any of them. Really? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, I really liked, I think I like the attention of someone saying you're good at that. Sure. You know? The affirmation of it. I yeah. mean, I totally, when you said trophy withdrawal in all seriousness, I feel like that's a real problem, especially when you're a freelancer or you're on your own and you're not, because here's the thing. I was thinking about this the other day. Like there's a, if you, I like to think about, put myself into different industries to get some feet, like some perspective. So I'll think of like, if I was a musician and you take the spectrum of experimental to pop, where would I fall on that spectrum? Like, what am I shooting for? And I think, you know, unless you're shooting for, uh, leaning towards not necessarily experimental, but for the critics, you're not going to get any awards and you might be the, you might get, you know, Teen Choice Award or whatever, but you're not get. you know what I mean? So like, I feel like in the, and then even in our smaller world of design and illustration, there are some awards, but they are for very particular types of people and work and credentials and social circles. Yeah. And I do think um, it becomes really hard to not get your affirmation from an external source. Yeah. I mean, so many people are making art for followers, you know? Right. I mean- and it's it's so it's so enticing it's so yes. addictive yeah. you know and it also is a lot of the advice that you hear is like do what your followers you know sure. want you to do but you also have to balance that with what you love to do absolutely let's dig on that for a minute because there's a few different things going on there one is um you know i have a i have friends that are in particular markets and uh, niches that have um very low follower count and actually, it in certain spaces, that's an advantage because now you're an unknown person. And in certain places, that's like premium. You know, yeah. th- there's a time where – anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. But I just uh, – this, this – your only external metric being your Instagram followers is definitely uh, – can be a real problem. Yeah. So let's go back to – 
sports, music, music, what you were singing? What's, yeah. What is all this about? <laughs> I was singing. Yeah. Yeah. In bands or what? No, I was singing, you know, choir, you know, okay. classical singing. And then I went to college for singing as, um, but, you know, and singing education major. But you, you do like a line of performance, you know, you do have the vocal coaches and everything. And then you also teach, you learn how to uh, run a band and run, um, acquire and you have to you know learn it all because music departments are just completely you know uh, cutting down you know budget cuts so you have to learn it all because you might be in charge of the whole music department for the whole school even if they you know if they have one right so that was you know that was a lot and it was cool I loved it but uh didn't do it why when I left what college. did you you okay so you went your whole college experience was that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, how did you get here? I graduated and I moved to New York and I decided after all of that, I wanted to be bored for the first time in my life. And You wanted to be bored? Yeah. I just, I filled every second with, you know, sports and school and, and art and everything, yeah. you know, just so much. I was just constantly Doing looking stuff. for achievement. And mm. I think I had... I think I had a realization without a realization, you know, subconscious mm. uh, that I just wanted to relax for a minute. And I became a server in New York City. And you I made a, became a server. server. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I just started serving tables. And why did you move to New York City? Just because I wanted to. Where were you before <laughs> that? I was, I mean, I was in college. So I was at University of Hartford, Hart School of Music. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then you went to New York City. How long were you there just Ten doing years. that? Um, okay. I did. I had like nine lives in New York. Yeah. That's what it feels like. I think um, that's not uncommon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So went to New York City. I was bored for the first time. I filled that boredom pretty quickly mm -hmm. with debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they say idle hands, right? You're like, I'm I mean, bored. I got to do something around here. Yeah. Trophy withdrawal. You know, let's fill it with something. <laughs> debauchery. <laughs> that word is so funny. Yeah. That's a good one. So, uh, yeah, I just, I did a lot of odd jobs for a long time. Um, and just, just, I was a 20 something year old. I yeah. was a typical 20-something-year-old in New York City. Just, Doing the New York City thing. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you find your way to creativity, design? Do you find, do you consider yourself an illustrator or designer? Illustrator. I thought, I'm, yeah. I'm using that more often now. It um, seems like even more though I came maybe. up like you through design. It's so funny how hard it was for me to say that I was a graphic designer. Like I really had a hard time saying like, Why? well, I'm not as good of a graphic designer as they are. So mm -hmm. how can I call myself that? And to call myself an illustrator is actually quite, it's a big, it's big for me. A to big be, be like, well, to even say I'm an illustrator, I, I say it took me so long to say I'm an artist. Oh mm -hmm. my God. Like there was such the uh, associations with that word was just everyone was an artist in New York City, but they weren't actually creating art, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I just was very uh, anti-artist for a long time. Not like the people, yeah. but calling myself that because anti I thought it was term. pretentious. I yeah. thought it was... So I'm an illustrator. I'm cool with that. I'm also cool with calling myself an artist, which is really amazing that mm. I can say that. <laughs> what made you... Because I'm curious about this. So because I... When I first got started... So I came from Indiana and, you know, I, I know there are cultured places in Indiana, but I didn't come from a family that was cultured. I love my family. They don't, they're, why am I here? To, I'm wasting your time <laughs> talking about he how culture, I do love my family. I can tell. And they're not super into art, at least I can say that, right? Um, we moved a little bit and we got up more cultured over time, but I can't, you know, my parents, uh, came from blue collar, Indiana, Southern Indiana. Um, and I just didn't have any, if you drew pictures, you were an artist. Like mm -hmm. that's it. I didn't go to any museums. I didn't do, I didn't, so I don't know. I didn't have any of the baggage and it helped me. Uh, it, there's some, some problems with it, but early in my career, I feel like that kind of reckless abandon. No, I wasn't, I was like, yeah, I'm a designer. I'm an artist. I'm an illustrator. I'm whatever. I'm whatever I say I am. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, the world beat me up and I learned to be self-conscious and have all kinds of anxiety and crap like that. But what, why did you, why were you like 
struggling to call yourself any of these things. I had the opposite problem. Yeah. You know? Like you were just gung ho and, you know, you called yourself something before you even filled the role. And it, it's like, I'm such a perfectionist. Mm. I, it, you know, I have to prove over and over and over that I'm something before I can label myself that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just low self-esteem pretty much. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wonder, it's funny because I feel like maybe it's, uh, there may be a part of that that's an expression of um, the same thing manifesting in two different ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm. low self-esteem manifesting in claiming all these things or trying to skip to the end or, you know, not believing that, yeah, that, like trying to claim something. I think there's probably a bunch of other factors too, but did you did you grow up in a family that appreciated art? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, but the, it was really competitive mm. even without – my mother always was um, nurturing creativity. She gave us a lot of free time. <laughs> like she, she didn't really know where we were, but we yeah. were being creative. Um, and you know, she really prided herself on being uh, having creative kids. So we would get a lot of again a lot of that you know accolades, um, praise for our creativity. Yeah. Um, but there was kind of it was a little bit. Uh, critical, uh, you know, that I learned how to be perfectionist from my family, you know, mm -hmm. um, I learned it also from like, I know it was inherent within it's probably in my DNA, yeah. but it was definitely, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely around me all yes. the time. This perfectionism. Let's dive into, uh, this. Do you feel like you've gotten, better about not needing external affirmation for this stuff or not? I think, again, like calling myself an illustrator, calling myself an artist, is, there's a lot of work behind that. Yeah. I've done a lot of work to be able to just say, to just be here, Yeah, you know? Like yep. it's it took so much for me to feel like I deserve to sit in this chair, mm. you know, with across from you, you know, like, and, and this is amazing. Yeah. You know? like, hey, you deserve it. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that's just, I don't deserve things until I prove to myself that I do. I'm constantly walking through immense fear, mm -hmm. <laughs> just doing everything uncomfortable. Like everything makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. But I do it anyway, which is something I'm very proud of myself for. Um, and I can't remember what your, if that answers your question. I don't know if it does, but I'm <laughs> interested and I want to, I want to talk more about this because I feel, uh, and I don't know what you experience. Is it anxiety? Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of artists, maybe more than ever, I don't know, maybe we're just more aware of it, are dealing with anxiety and depression and especially, how I, I talk about this all the time on the show, this idea that um, what do you call an artist that doesn't want to stand out? I don't know, but you don't call him an artist. And I know that <laughs> it's kind of, it's a joke, but it's also but like, um, how do you, uh, like this idea of making art, there's this thing of, especially if you want to do it for a living. Um, but for most people, most people that are making art, it's not just a diary. It's some kind of attempt for human connection connecting with somebody else and to do that you have to get some attention right and yet um myself included i'm not gonna it doesn't seem like i experience it to the level that you do but uh they are struggling with pe breaking through this anxiety and getting themselves out there what on a practical level has helped you do that could you just talk through us about the past couple years of to, however you if i'm assuming that because you're out there a lot more your work's out there you're making projects you're putting stuff online i'm assuming that you feel like you've made some strides in that i mean you're here right now in my in my podcast room um it's so essential as you know to getting where you want to go um, how have you done it? Yeah, it's, it's been, um, it's been an interesting road. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it started with really just putting my work out there in the first place. Yeah. And, um, I really like what Sean Wes, uh, said 
in his podcast that you iterate in public. And I mean, that was terrifying to me. Terrifying. So true. But the minute I followed his advice and I did that, I could see I was getting the external validation, you know, which is it's unhealthy most of the time, but it was healthy in this case because it was like, hey, you have something people like this thing you're making. Yeah. Like if people like something, you might be able to sell that thing. Yeah. So yeah, I was, that's what it did for me. And I, I just continued to do it and I did it every day. And that really, you know, fought through the perfectionism because it was just like, all right, just get something out there. Yeah. And that was the first step to me really stepping over everything that was comfortable for me. That's amazing. I love that. Iterate in public, this idea. This is what I call writing on stage. It's what comics do. Um, They, I love, to me, there's nothing more pure in creativity than the comics that are willing to be at the top and then start a new set that they know is bad. Like, Mm -hmm. I love it. When I watch these comics that are like, talking about they st- like i feel like um eddie murphy's a great example of somebody who just recently did that again but mm-hmm. spent a long time he was so praised as like comedy god and you know uh, like it went didn't got out of the trenches because it was t- it's just too painful to iterate on stage right yeah. so when he could stop doing it he did and you see what happens to those people and now he's back in and i there's just something about to me that's that brené brown being in the arena thing it's like are you going to iterate in public if you're not you, are you going to be willing to bomb sometimes and i think yeah it does mean that you might not ever be the Radiohead or the Eddie Murphy or whatever. You might, if you're going to stay in the mess, you might you're never going to be seen as. I'm actually so. Uh, I hate that we have these perfect bands or perfect heroes or whatever, because I feel like they set unrealistic expectations. And there's a lot of luck involved. There's all these things. And yet I think so many of us want to be that. Yeah. Um, and it keeps us from doing stuff. And I love what you said about the daily project thing of just like the goal is to ship it. And I went through a very similar thing and just realizing like, first of all, that stuff gets buried on the internet. Like, <laughs> like Your worst stuff, like if you just do it over time, like nobody, and they can if they want, but nobody's going back to the start of my Instagram. Yeah. If you want to, go ahead. It's your I encourage time. people to go to the beginning of my Instagram. You'll see how different and how crappy my work is. Yeah. You can swear. I don't know if that was censored or not. You can swear (laughs) if you want to. Um, But you can uh, swear if you want to. (laughs) You can. I can't make a parody. (laughs) Come on. That's okay. Um, (laughs) I have a point. Go. Okay. (laughs) Let me hear it. Sorry. I went on a sidebar. It's not an interruption, but uh, that idea of um, having one thing that I kept in mind or didn't keep in mind was the goal that I really had. I just said, I really left it open-ended. Mm. And I think that was another key point to it is like, if you don't have a specific goal in mind, you can never hit that ceiling. Right. And you can't, and you're saying yes to things that you're like, all right, well, let me try that. I guess yeah. well, that opportunity is coming my way. I guess a lot of people, you know, when you have a specific goal, if something, if this opportunity comes in, you might say no because it doesn't go in that direction. 100%. But that, that is why, you know, I, that is what I've, that's the foundation of what I've done. I'm back and, that more because I want to, I think there's a ton of good stuff to talk about. Well, I started in calligraphy, mm-hmm. putting my calligraphy out there. And now I'm in 3D lettering slash illustration. Yeah. And for that to happen in five years, it's a lot of saying yes to feelings and opportunities and uh yeah just kind of following my heart while also following external opportunities yes um at the same time so i i just love what i do i loved what i did back then yeah i love what i do now you're staying on the pulse yeah yes and i think if i had said i was getting i know i could have done a lot with the calligraphy I know that, I mean, Instagram loves calligraphy. (laughs) Yes. Um, But it's not just about Instagram. It's like uh, 
I could have done, I could have, you know, sold courses. I could have, you know, I, I could have sold products. I could have, you know, there, there are lots of ways that you I can make money doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I just had a feeling like that my passion was more in something else and that calligraphy was just the foundation of that. Yeah. And calligraphy is the foundation of all my lettering, but you won't see me like that's not the finished product anymore. Yep. And there, and you're, and that's iterating as you go, pivoting as yeah. you're understanding more truly. Once you, you know, hopefully, I feel like, you know, one of the things if I talk to a young person uh, the, about their future or whatever, one of the things I'll say is like, you can't possibly know the job that you're perfect for. The only way you do it is you get in the mix and you use that radar that you're talking about with the North Star of what you love and what you're excited about. You pick a path that this kind of looks like it, but you get further on the path, you get a new vantage point. Now you're like, oh, actually this tributary of the path <laughs> is maybe closer to that thing. You know what I mean? Like at first, maybe you only knew about calligraphy. You're like, this is yeah. close to the thing. And you get deeper in there. You're like, oh, there's actually this, you know, fork in the road towards lettering and you kind of make it up. But I feel like uh, one of the things that I find really interesting about what you're talking about is I'm a, you may know this, I'm really anti-dualism and binary thinking. I hate this idea that it's either every creative project needs to be about um, a goal or it needs to be no goal. And mm -hmm. I like to think about, um, I feel like strategy is almost the antithesis of creativity, which is weird because I'm the creative strategy guy. Mm -hmm. But strategy is start with an end in mind. Creativity is start and you don't know where it's going, mm -hmm. right? I mean, think about the projects that start with limitation that you just that you get so you can't even believe the ideas that are coming out of you, but they yes. come from limitation. So I just see it as that, you know, it's the it's the combination of limitation and and creation. Yes. Are you a fan of the weekend? I am not. You don't have to. I be. mean, I, I was just trying to think who they were. Uh, so, Canadian, is, it, is it a band? Canadian or one? one person R and B guy. Um, well, you know, it's my confusing brother. That it's not his name. I know. I mean, the weekend doesn't sound like, like a person. Um, but my brother's really obsessed with them. I introduced him to him. So whatever. I stole it. Uh, uh, he did. But he's obsessed. And he sent he sent me recently um, these two videos of him doing live performances on Colbert and I think another one of them. And, uh, and he's like making a music video in real time. It's also clearly not li live. But he's doing something really different, like making a music his music video on live TV. Um, and I think that was a constraint because he's not good at singing live. Like he, because of like, cause he, and I could be wrong, man, I've really worked myself into a corner here saying that about him, but he, he said, well, I know this. I know he had been like really nervous about singing live for a long time to where he didn't do any performances for years into like huge hits. Um, and that ended up becoming a constraint that he made a creative decision on. He created mm. this new way of being on live TV that nobody else was doing. And so it's interesting that this weakness was able to become a strength because of that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Simple. Yeah. Um, okay. Back to this thing of iterating uh, publicly and getting through, even now you're making breakthroughs about because you're going to conferences and, and doing all the stuff that you've told me, I think makes you uncomfortable, right? Um, leaving are, the house. Is leaving the house. Yeah. Can you just, you know, and just speak to it however, whatever degree you want to. But honestly, I work with a lot of creative people and these are real things that lots and lots of people are going through. Are there um, little tricks that you've picked up through counseling or therapy? Are there little things that have helped you anything that you can pass on? Because I just, I see so many creative people petrified of putting themselves out there and I, and you've done so much, uh, especially recently. I'm just curious if there's any tips or tricks. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that it kind of goes back to what you were saying about so many creatives being, um, anxious and if that is a new thing and, I think it is absolutely just um, there's a light shown on it. 
you know, like I'm so sure. glad. A revelation. That, yeah, I think uh, so many people are realizing that, um, you know, there's just a lot more education out there. There's a lot more um, information. And so people are realizing where they're at. And so anxiety's always existed, but yeah. now we're realizing it. I didn't know of anxiety, the true definition of it, until 10 years ago. Mm. And I think it's hilarious because I've always been what so is the anxious. <laughs> like, definition? I mean, it's just me embodied. <laughs> it's a photo of you. <laughs> like, I had no idea what it re- I thought um, an anxious person was just constantly like shaking. Uh-huh. I don't know what. It's almost hard to think about what I used to think anxiety was, but I wasn't that. Mm-hmm. I thought I wasn't that. And I'm the epitome. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's funny because, um, a lot of anxious people will have like deadpan face. They will not show anything. You know, I used to, my best friends would not know if I was joking because I would just always have the same face. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. because I didn't want to show, I didn't want to emote. I didn't want anyone to see me crack. I didn't want, you know, we get really good at hiding our feelings. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the most anxious people you'll notice, like look super confident in groups or, yeah. Or just like you might think that they don't really have much feeling behind that face, but they really do. They have too many, too yeah. many feelings. Yeah. So that um, is part of it. And I think, uh, you know, some, I've certainly gotten a lot of therapy, done a lot of counseling, I've done a lot, I've done a lot. Um, and a lot of it uh, really comes down to asking for help and yeah. not feeling um, ashamed of that. I used to, I used to say, oh, I have this team to just, you know, help me survive. And I, I've walked around with shame about that. Like, oh, because I need a psychiatrist, because I need a therapist, because I need friends, because I need support friends, that means that somehow I'm failing. Mm. But I had the strength to ask for help. Yeah. And I know I could be a lot worse. I mean, I wouldn't be where sure. I am today if I didn't ask for help. And I think that that's just a common theme with everything if you want to move ahead if you want to become better if you want to be a better person you want to be a better artist you want to be a better partner you need help and uh, that is i think that's the cornerstone of walking through this fear that's a hard uh truth for me i don't want help i don't i i think um I heard uh, Dax Shepard say, I don't listen to that all the time. I don't always feel it. Do you ever feel like when you reference something, you have to put a qualifier and not for any, I don't have anything wrong with them or anything. It's just, it's not part of my identity. His podcast, (laughs) but he talked about how I heard him once say how um, he, in his family, he was raised by a single mom and to love her would be to not need help from her because she was already so much was taken from her. And so to show love was to be like self-sufficient and that Kristen Bell, his wife, was the opposite where they, by helping each other, that's how they showed that they loved each other. And my wife and I are pretty much identical to that to where in my family, like if you're needing help, you're encroaching on other people's, you know, individual whatever prerogatives and stuff they're doing. Like it's, and so to me, yeah, there's, and I think a lot of people have that. Like a lot of people have that. There's no strength. You're, you're, it's pure weakness to reach out for help and to need help. And I think it goes back to this. I wanted to touch on this external affirmation thing. You know, this whole thing of like, don't chase likes, don't chase followers, all that stuff. There's tons of merit to that. There's lots of truth in that. Uh, and I do think there's a weird non-dual balance that you have to strike here because I think that we are social animals who do need external affirmation. It's part of our wiring. We need to matter to the tribe in some way, even in small ways. And the same goes for that we're also social animals to where we're built to collaborate and need help. We're, we're built as I heard someone say this recently. I don't know where it was, but we're built to be only one part of the body because it requires all of these people to come together to get everything done. And it's not a weakness. It's you're fulfilling your purpose if you're in collaboration with other people. Yeah. Does that make, does that make, did I make any sense? Yeah. Just affirm me externally, please. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's something that is in our, our, our makeup, you know, um, I mean, it makes sense. I, I, we needed it to survive, just to stay in groups. Like the unlikable would, you know, they would be cast out, and yeah. then they probably wouldn't survive. I was, I have been watching Meerkat Manor. Uh huh. I used uh, to watch that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Meerkat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many uh, parallels. You know, just I felt I would just be crying for the Meerkat that was, you know, uh, ostracized. Yeah, yeah, ostracized, and and. Um, it's like we do need to feel like we belong and we're constantly trying to balance that. Social media makes it a little harder, you know, because you can just get so drunk off of likes. You can totally. you can to you can survive like that for a really long time. Yep. And you know that <laughs> it you asked, you know, how I've gotten through and I had to get sober in order to um get better with my anxiety and mm. that was 10 years ago thank and you for sharing this first of all i don't think i knew that uh maybe we mentioned maybe you mentioned it to me once before mm -hmm. but anyway continue sorry yeah it's just something that i felt like uh maybe clients wouldn't then you know i had uh some inner turmoil about whether or not i wanted to be open with that but i i think that it's important because um i really want to prove that like I would love someone to disclose that. You yes. know, I would love to hear that more sober artists are out there. Um, so I'm um, coming out. Yes. Another closet. <laughs> How many closets do you that's have? Amazing. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, so sobriety, closets you know, that's within a closet. Yes. <laughs> that's closets, 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 closets. Closets all the way down. <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah, I had to. I had, a, I needed a lot of help, you know, you need a lot of help. So I was, I was, you know, you can survive for a really long time using external sources to survive. Yeah. You can, you can do that for a really long time until it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that people can, I think that people can just ride that like and follower wave for years yeah. But there is always a crash and a burn. Yeah. Because so. they change the algorithm. <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's true. And your fix right. is gone. Right. Like, yeah. What used to work doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I think, yeah. And that's what the algorithm really did was make a lot of people aware of just how much they had been counting on that. It wasn't just, true. it wasn't just like, oh, like I noticed a, you know, a difference in the way that um, people were engaging but what I really saw from most people complaining about it was um, how much they didn't realize that they needed that mm -hmm. for their survival. Yeah. Yes. I think for me personally, I it's not so much that I need it for like I need it versus somebody else. But when they change something and all of a sudden the achiever part of me that says I'm not better than I was – because all of a sudden, oh, this thing got less than that thing. And it, it does, it gets in your head. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm attributing, this is an unhealthy amount of uh, affirmation or, or self-esteem that I'm attributing it to this thing. Um, to your, uh, do you see parallels with getting sober uh, to, have there been things in that process that have been direct parallels to growing your art career. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to separate it from me transitioning my gender as well. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like I came out, um, I got sober, then I needed, you know, to just learn how to live and have like some sort of foundation of just living. Yeah. And then I realized all this, like I had to get sober to realize all these things about myself. Mm. And I didn't realize that I was, a man until yeah. five years into sobriety. So, wow. um, so then I realized that I wanted to transition. I realized that I wanted to be an artist. I realized that I wanted to work in 3d all the same year. What? And it was just like this big opening up, like, ah, you know, yes. and, um, it's been such a ride from that. Just, just saying, like, let me just try this and let me just try that. And I guess I'll go with this feeling. And I guess, you know, I guess this yeah. is me now, you mm -hmm. know. 
it was just, it's so interesting how they all paralleled each other so directly. I love that. I talk about how, uh, you know, a big part of the work of the artist is to use art as uh, self-expression, but also self-excavation. -ex and that it's your job as the artist, if you're spending all this time making and reflecting, is to be a leader, really, in culture, because you are um, doing this deep inner work, and your art can only go as far as your personal development. And so if, you're, if your art is stuck, maybe you need some personal breakthroughs. Maybe you need to develop some of that. And it sounds like that is exactly what happened for you. Yeah, totally. And sometimes I feel like my life and my art are sometimes separate, but there's no separating them. You know, like as much as you want to not put yourself in your art, just yeah. because of like whatever you, you know, sometimes we can go for what we think is, you know, more sellable, what's more marketable, you know, that yeah. whole that spectrum of, you know, am I doing this for external reasons or internal reasons? And, um, but I think that my art, I've realized that my art is an escape. It's like a fun, it's like what I wish the world was. Yeah. Just like, I wish I could step out of the house and that was, my art is what I wanted to step into. You're create, it's like a creator. You're yes. creating a world. Mm -hmm. Yes. I feel you. I'm totally all down for that. Yeah, because I thought, oh well, my art needs to be dark, and it mm -hmm. needs it needs to match my mind, mm -hmm. but it doesn't. You mm -hmm. know, just yeah, that's how some people's art manifests because when they have this type of personality. True. When yes. they have this these dark stormy nights going on mm -hmm. in their head, um, mine just happens to manifest in a different way, mm. and that's what makes. I mean, that's I what makes that. it all so different. I love that. I also, it reminds me of what Gary Shandling says, which is, uh, he, he said, mm -hmm. rest in peace, uh, but um, give what you didn't get. And yeah. I love that idea of like creating your own universe. Like it's not, I, I think you're, too, and I like, there's a bunch of nuance that you're bringing to these ideas of how you express yourself. It's still a, as just a pure expression to say, this is what I wish I could step into as it is, this is where I'm at. Yeah. They're both authentically deep within you. They're manifestations of that. But I do, I find actually that golden rule idea of you know, do unto others at, through your art of wish or what you wish was done for you. To me, that has been my guiding light of how do I get, like I, we're doing this, I was going to segue at some point, we're doing this uh, agency, co-loop, um, in which you are part of the roster. And uh, in a, there's a little part of me, as we're getting all this working, there was a little tiny part of me at the beginning that got bitter because I was like, why didn't I have this? Or I'm starting a podcast network and I'm like, why didn't some mm -hmm. podcast network pick me up? Yeah. Like, why, did, why am I making it easier for all these people? And I realized like, that's my purpose. Mm -hmm. My purpose is to be the podcast network that I wish that I was on. Someone who can get source all these sponsors and do all this so they don't have to learn the hard way like I did. The only reason I can do that for them is because I learned the hard way. Is because yeah. I have the sensitivity of knowing what I wish I needed or what I needed. And it sounds exactly like you making these worlds that you could step into and escape into. Like that taste and sensitivity is palatable, not just to you, but all the other people that need the same thing. And, you know, it's so funny that you, you say that. I think a lot of us have that bitter part of ourselves. You know, some people it's better, bigger than others <laughs> yeah. um, that is yeah. just so stuck on that the past and you know well i didn't it, this was really hard for me and i absolutely step into that i mean that is part of my anxiety sure of, you know i'm not going to say that i don't have any uh selfish thoughts yeah <laughs> i do because yeah and um i it really is hard to think it's hard to think about i mean that's absolutely necessary to create something new yeah is that it's going to be uncharted territory but it is it it is like why didn't i have this like i just need it but that's why it's so that's necessary it. it's like why don't i hear from you know why are there no other trans 3d artists well i have to well, come you out you got to do it 
yeah, I have to come out. Maybe more will follow. Maybe more are out there already, you know, just haven't said, hey, you know, it, it, it sucks to be the first. It's, it just is really hard. It's uncomfortable to be a pioneer, yes. but it's it's necessary. Yeah, otherwise, I think I'd be really bored if I wasn't a pioneer of some sort. Absolutely. And in fact, I would argue that mythology would say it's not until that moment that you become the hero that you're supposed to be. Like that, I always use the same damn example, but it's that part where Is it Luke, Zelda? No. no. <laughs> Close. <laughs> damn it. I wish it was Zelda now. Uh, it's when Luke says no to Yoda. Mm -hmm. And there's this part where you like I'm all about uh, representation is so huge to me. You wouldn't think it was because I'm in many ways highly represented. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> there's little ways that like like people with ADHD not coming forward and talking about it. And it's a it's a bitch. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it is a superpower in some ways, but it uh, it really sucks in a whole bunch of other ways. And I didn't for the same reason as you talking about. Um, what was it? I don't know if you were saying anxiety. One of the, one of these things you were talking about where you were afraid for, oh, sobriety, I think it was, mm -hmm. of you're afraid of what clients might think. And for the longest time, that's why I didn't want to talk about ADHD because they're procrastinators and they're, you know, they miss deadlines, all kinds of stuff. And although that might not be the case for me, um, it is in some ways, but uh, that, that whole thing of, I think you got to look for representation and until you can't find it, be it. Yeah, I think there's that, and that's where you're stepping into your own journey. I, it was true for me. I needed lots of, I needed to find people like me to raise that ceiling and and those limits off. Yeah. Um, but at some point, there's not going to be anybody representing what you need to see, and you need to do that for those who do. Yeah, um, and you know, and it's not it's not like everyone needs to come out of closets, but like I think that there was a long time that you were not talking about your ADHD, yep, very that true. you were establishing yourself. There was a long time I was not talking about these very vulnerable subjects about myself, where I'm. I want people to judge the art first. That's just what how I bet. Yes. I just want you to judge the art first, because. Then when I tell you what's really up, you'll be like, wow, that's cool that you can do that and be dealing with all these other things. One million percent agree. The way I think about that is you've got to, I, I think about this all the time, you know, find the crowd you want to be a part of, show them that you can hang, fit into the market, show them like I'm one of these people. Like you hear comedians say, I just want to be one of those people. Go do it. Be legit in that way. And then once you, but then you're going to hit another ceiling. Now all you're doing is you're fitting in. Yeah. You're not, not, and you're stuck there. And until you're ready to step the next chasm of not just fitting in, but standing out. Because when I, even when I, there was a bunch of places, but one of them was creating this podcast. There was no career podcast in creativity, at least in my neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm going to be talking about marketing. I'm going to be talking about all whole bunch of stuff, and I'm going to be talking about it through the lens of I'm almost going to be in tears because I'm so <laughs> passionate about it. Yeah. I'm going to be ostracized yeah. because I've gotten this far with fitting in and pretending like I'm part of the gang, um, and I'm going to show everybody actually I'm not. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So you thought that when you came that when you started the you podcast, you can say came out with that. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you. I mean, I, yeah. I'm wondering <laughs> if. Uh, well, that you really felt like you were going to be judged harshly or, you know, oh, that yeah. you've been kind of acting in a role. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. When I started the podcast, I thought, I just knew, and this is what I think it's a big deal. It's like, I knew that my, my heroes would not like it. Now they might not know about it, but like the people that I was looking up to from, you know, early 2000s mm -hmm. illustrators and designers that are my biggest creative heroes, I knew. If they knew about this podcast, based on everything I know about them, they would be like, like loser, lame, like, you know what I mean? Like you can't put career and creativity in the same thing. I just knew. Like if they, the same goes for calling myself Andy J Pizza. I know, I know my creative heroes from before would be like, that's stupid. And I think, but it's those little decisions that you're willing to be like, yeah, they would say that. And I don't. I like this. All right. You know what I mean? That's where you yeah. start stepping out into your own thing. Yeah. Uh, you almost get a sense of, uh, 
I mean, a lot of the loudest people are the most critical. True. You know? yeah. So you're hearing a lot of, oh, that's not cool. I mean, like, why aren't they just an artist to be an artist? Why are they going to yeah. mix career? And, you know, why do they want to make money? Yes. Oh, my God. Dirty, yeah. dirty money. <laughs> why do they want to survive why do they in this feed world? Their children? <laughs> What's so lame yeah. to do that? <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. I mean, so were you pleasantly surprised when you did start it? Yeah, I mean, I think also I went through. Uh, don't turn the tables on me, Noah. I know <laughs> I'm not going to let you do it, but I yeah. Did I tell you I was a therapist for just really? A bit? Yeah. <laughs> Please, I, need I wasn't to go a therapist. To I was a counselor. Yeah, I was a substance abuse counselor for six months. Really? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I liked running groups. Okay. Yeah. Um, but. Then I did the art thing. I like that more. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'll. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go way into that. But I was surprised. I never. I thought this will be. I, it's not like I thought this isn't gonna do me any good. I did. I, I did it because I wanted. I mainly I wanted to help people, and I also wanted to get booked doing talks because I felt like that was my thing. Mm -hmm. I did a talk. And it just changed my life. I, I found my way into it in a way that I hadn't. And I was like, I've got to figure out how to show people I can do this because nobody's asking me to do it. And that's why I started the podcast. And I just figured I'm, it's going to be divisive. Like some people are going to hate it and some people are going to like it. But I, I didn't think anybody would like it to the level that whatever it is now, I didn't see any of that coming. It's quite successful. Well, it's something. It's hard <laughs> to say. It's not. But um, – <laughs> I'm doing two thumbs up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, but let's go to. I wanted to ask you about. Um, let's talk about Kolu for a minute. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a few metrics that we thought about of who we wanted to bring on. Um, one of them was about having a sense of their voice, um, not just about how to say stuff like nice style, slick graphics, whatever, but having something to say. Um, another big part of it is. It's collaborative. It's, uh, you know, rising tide raises all ships, um, that kind of mentality. Uh, and so this whole team thing, needing help, all of that goes into the types of relationships we want to build. Um, is that, I know you've worked a little bit with Ryan already. Can't, I'm just interested in how that hits you. Yeah, I love that. I love that Ryan is someone that has been kind of like a coach, you know? Yes. And the, he's not just an agent it's he's a coach and i've i've belonged to a couple of mastermind groups they've been life-changing you know yeah. um i have talked with peers like more than i ever wanted to because i was terrified to reach out to them mm -hmm. and they would help me so much i know that again it's i have seen it as a parallel to sobriety where you know you need help in order to get over these blocks yes you know, you'll always hit that block and you and you're not gonna know the answer you're just not gonna know yourself you can't come up with it in your own yes. brain you need to go outside of your brain and um that's why i love the idea of co-loop so when i first heard about it i was like yes and then i was immediately terrified <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know because that's me. Right. <laughs> Very on brand. So that's um, when I know something's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, how I'm that's what I'm talking about. That I yeah. talk about like, you know, see fear as it's not always the thing that means turn around. Sometimes yeah. it's the thing that means like dig in. And I freaking love what you just said about, uh, for me, the vision and the heart. Because I'm not an agent. Why am I starting an agency with Ryan, who is an agent? And for me, it's because... I feel like it's a phase two to creative pep talk because creative pep talk is all about empowering individuals to empower themselves. Like mm -hmm. do everything you can on your own without anybody telling you you can do it, without any external affirmation, yeah. without any help from anybody. And, I, and I'm happy with what we've been able to do. And I've seen some really crazy things for creative people happen through it. Uh, but at some point I felt like there's just a bunch of stuff you can't do without other people. Yeah. There's just so much more you can do if you do it together. And to me, it's like, yeah, we have this little roster, but then what this little roster can do in events and education and bring other people and watching other, uh, pe other ships rise. Like I, 
that's what it's all about to me is like, how do we get these people together that all have this mentality and, and want to cross pollinate, pollinate and help each other. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just thrilled to have you. you have, you're bringing something very different to the team that I think is uh, amazing. And, uh, and yeah, I'm glad you feel that way about it. Yeah. Community over competition. Boom. Yes. Yeah. Everyone on the roster. So the one, the one word that comes up with everyone is their generosity. Mm. There's just, and that just comes from so much you know, we were talking about that kind of scarcity mindset of like, why didn't I have this? You know, why can't I have this? And then it, it takes a lot of effort to think in abundance. And I don't want to just use like, um, uh, that kind of terminology that's a little trendy, but right. there is, there's, there's a mindset of abundance when you actually are not constantly thinking about how can I get, you know, how can I take a shortcut? How can I, what do I get out of this situation? Because that will naturally come. If you're generous, you know, the law of reciprocity. Yeah. I almost. You did it great. Thank you. It's beautiful. (laughs) I would have said rip grip But I, yeah, like I, I completely agree. Generosity. I hadn't thought of that word, but it's totally true. And I love how you highlighted the scarcity mindset in me, because obviously I do the podcast and what my heart is in this, but I have the same, it's not like it's all natural to me. Like there's mm-hmm. certain parts of it. I have to recognize that bitterness and the cynicism and the scarcity. There's lots of times, honestly, there are some, you know, mini me pizzas out there. And I, there's, I've just actively noticed it and thought, what's the most loving, productive thing I can do? Now, that doesn't always mean just enabling it. Like that, Sometimes that's not super, you know what I mean? But how can I be generous in my spirit with that? Um, and I like that you highlighted like, you know, I, I do. I have that. I get that bitterness. And it's, I'm, glad, I'm glad that obviously all of us have, it, it almost takes a core value yeah. of, you know, making like, okay, I know my, of human nature is to go there. I'm going to go the other way. Yeah. And that, and, and that really reminds me of what I used to think and sometimes go back to, which is that, uh, generosity isn't just something that someone is born with. I used to think, I used to look at these people and say, they're just, they're just better than I am. They just, they are able to give them of themselves more. They just, that comes natural to them as if they don't have any, uh, challenges with that. But that is assuming, it's dismissing the hard work that they've put in when we do that. And um, I just like to do that to separate myself so that I can stay comfortable. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of these mind tricks are just so we can stay comfortable, right? Like, oh, I'm going to look at them. I'm, I'm totally different. So therefore, I won't go there. I won't do this thing that is so scary to me. But you really, that's... To, to be reminded that we all struggle with that, that it's that we all get over these blocks where we're really scared of of doing something and it doesn't just come naturally. Yeah, that's I always have to be reminded of that because every day I wake up. I'm the same amount of scared that I was the day before. (laughs) I mean, arguably, I've improved. Sure. So (laughs) that's just funny. But I love. I think that's a fantastic point because I think um, there's something about. I don't know if it's because like a star is born or Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever. But they they show these people that it's just ease. It's just a. It's not that they don't have things to overcome, but they. But the the art is just flowing. Mm-hmm. And it's just there. And, I, and I'm not saying there's some good. I think yeah. You need to find your talent spots and you need to get into those real nice grooves and stuff. But knowing that, yeah, this thing's just obstacles. It's just like, and and when you're feeling those fears and obstacles, be like, those are the booby traps. That means the treasure's still there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's a difference between um, a successful artist and an unsuccessful artist. And the successful one took the obstacles and they just kept going instead of stopping. That's pretty much the only difference. 100%. The amount of creative things I've had to do to get over obstacles. Some of my most creative acts have been like, well, they won't let me in there. So I've got to figure out some weird way around. Like mm-hmm. the Indie Rock Coloring Book was that, where I was like, I could, they didn't make gig posters in England at the time. Like not, at least for my, I could not find any screen. Mm-hmm. Every time I talked to a screen printer and I'm like, I want to make a poster like 
Why? It's for shirts. You don't screen print on paper, you idiot. Like I could not get it. That's so funny. And so I had to make the coloring book. It was just a weird way around. Like I want to work with these artists. Like mm -hmm. how do I do it? You know. Um, all right. Last question. Do you have any just go to favorite tactic or value or mindset or quote whatever? What is one of the What's the one of the staples of something? It might be just something you come back to or a, a core tactical practice for your career. Is there anything that comes to mind for that? Well, I think it goes back to what I've been talking about. So yeah. it's just going to sound a little repetitive. That's fine. We need a reminder. Walk through the fear. Mm. Go through it, not around it. Absolutely. I freaking love that. Thank you. Hey, thanks for showing up here, walking through the fear, being in this room. Thank I hope you for having me. Thanks for terrifying me. <laughs> On that note, thanks. Huge, huge thanks to Noah for coming and telling your story. Uh, so brave and inspiring and uh i am just grateful to be able to be a fly in the wall i've got to watch your career blossom over the past couple years and it has just been ultra inspiring to see the places that your work has gone uh go check noah's work out on instagram at noah camp design it is incredible and we are doing me and noah are doing a collaboration right now when i saw what he was doing with my characters in 3d i freaked out i showed i showed every one of my kids i showed my wife i showed ryan i was like can you believe this it's a, it's amazing i never felt uh, 3d could feel so organic and like alive i love it amazing stuff go check it out noah camp design on instagram thanks again noah huge thanks to ryan appleton for helping me do the intro and all the help with the podcast every week thanks to yoni wolf in the band y for our theme music thanks to alex sugg for our soundtrack and thanks to jordan aaron for editing this show so beautifully love having you on board man thanks a lot thanks to all of you for showing up every week and until we speak again Stay pepped up. Oh, yeah. One more thing real quick. We're doing our uh, uh, Creative Elixir series and part two should be coming next week. And I'm really excited about it. Thanks for all the feedback on part one. I'm glad it was hitting home. Uh, all that stuff was really close to my heart. And uh, I'm just I, I took a bet on doing that content and I'm glad that it paid off. Um, yeah. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>